Can we just give 30 seconds to praise God for 30 seconds? You live in America where you have the freedom to praise God how you want, when you want, to whoever you want. Get louder for Jesus today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Remain standing just for a moment here. I just wanna say, I start everything out. It's an honor to be here today. I had the privilege of speaking at the Scottsdale campus at nine and you guys got a big shoes to fill because they were loud at nine o'clock. So how many of y'all are awake this morning? Okay. All right, they gave me a time limit. I'm gonna do my best to uh, make it work. But first we gotta pray because it is not me that can do anything for you. It is only God that can do that for you. So join me in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray to you right now, I am merely Graham. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing wise about words that I'm going to say. There is nothing that I can say that will do anything for anybody. Lord God, I ask you, use me as a vessel for your word to come out of my mouth. For whoever needs to hear your words and your wisdom, God, use me in whatever capacity you see fit. Dear God, we love you. We praise you. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you guys very much. All right. So uh, there is, this is an amazing, amazing church. Thank you guys for your hospitality. Thank you guys for all the above. Some of you may be confused a little bit. They're sitting there going, he didn't look like Charlie Kirk. That's true. (laughs) But uh, I want to give you a brief introduction as to who I am. My name's Graham Allen. Um, Me and Charlie Kirk are really good friends. We've been fighting this battle for our country for many, many years. Because I don't know if you guys know it, but we are in a battle against evil trying to overtake our country right now. I also come from an Assemblies of God background. So if you shout me down, I love it. I'll shout right back. I left my tambourine and my flags at home, um, but I love uh, my assemblies of God upbringing. Uh, you know, there's always a lady that sits over here named Beverly or I, Irene or has a tambourine and we love them to death, but I decided I wouldn't put you guys through that today. Uh, I also love this church. This is an amazing church. It's my first time here. This is fantastic. I always love when I get to preach the word of God and I get to wear this little thing and be a backstreet boy at the same time. (laughs) However, I was told that I would be doing the rendition of God Bless America, but I guess they were adequate in their their amazing. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that awesome? All right, so I'm old school, so I have little index cards and things like that. I flew in yesterday, and I'm still on East Coast time. I'm from the beautiful state of South Carolina. And um, I went to bed at about 7 o'clock, and then I woke up at about 4 a.m. this morning, and God downloaded something else in my mind, in my spirit to talk about. So naturally, I did what every media team loves. I texted them about 5 o'clock. I said, we're going to need to add these slides. So we're starting off on a really really good note, me and the media team. But first, we got to do an intro. So what should be on here is I'm supposed to talk to you today about what does the Bible say or what does Jesus say about? There we go. All right. 
Okay, and here's what I promise. Like I said, I'm Assemblies of God. So if I appear to be shouting at you, I'm not shouting at you, I'm just excited. So you can be excited too. And I promise you this, when I start this message, you guys will go, oh, he went there. And by the end, you'll go, oh, he went there. Same words, different meanings. So stick with me just for a minute. Let's bring up our first Bible verse here. When you're a voice for change in a country that's turned its back on its values, it takes a special kind of company to have the fortitude to stand with you while you're out there taking the arrows. That's why I'm proud to stand with Pure Talk. Veteran owned and they have 100% American workforce and they 100% have my back while I'm out there fighting the battles that most people would throw me away and never, ever, ever sponsor us again. So why partner with companies that spit in the face of your values every single day, like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile? Mix and match your plans to fit every person in your family right now by going to Pure Talk. Choose from talk, text, 5G data for just 20 bucks a month, all the way up to unlimited data with mobile hotspot for... (gasps) 55 bucks a month. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money. So stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. Instead, go to puretalk.com and use promo code Graham and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month because they actually value you. Enjoy your great coverage and save while doing it. Go to puretalk.com and use promo code G-R-A-H-A-M. That's puretalk.com, promo code Graham. Should pop up. There we go. All right. In risk of showing my age. So please, please help me not be embarrassed. Let's throw on this side of the room. How many people have been to like vacation Bible school, camp or anything like that? Okay. You should know this song. Where the spirit of the Lord is. Okay. You're not awake. We're going to go over here. (laughs) All right. You got to do better than that. Okay. Go with me one more time. Where the spirit of the Lord is. Thank you. That's very good. That's very true. I know what you're thinking. Oh, he went there. And that's exactly where we're going to start. But this is the NIV translation of this. However, there is another translation, King James, I believe, if we can bring that up. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, I'm a big definition guy. I like to, you know, I realize I'm born and raised from Mississippi and some of you are probably shocked that I can blink and breathe at the same time, but I'm a big definition guy. So let's look at the definition of freedom. I believe we have that slide up here. Ah, there we go. The quality or state of being free, the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Let's go to liberty really quick. I want you guys to look at this here. The quality or state of being free. That's funny. Sounds awful familiar. Can we go back to freedom one more time? The quality or state of being free. There's reasons here. We go back to liberty. Oh, excuse me. My bad. Excuse me. In freedom, we have the word liberation. That's interesting. Liberty in the definition of freedom. And if you go to liberty, you'll see freedom is in the definition of liberty. We as Christians, we like to intertwine these in the parallel between America and the foundations of freedom and liberty cannot be ignored. You've heard things like, give me liberty or give me death. 
You've heard things across the board where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So let's bring that Bible verse back up. I wanna talk to you guys for a brief moment because this is the Independence Day church service and the month of evil is over. And in T minus 35 hours will be the 4th of July. Oh no, that wasn't loud enough. The month of evil is over. And in T minus 35 hours will be the 4th of July. So we gotta talk about this here. I wanna talk about freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I wanna talk about the formation of America for a brief moment because what we as Americans tend to do is we romanticize things and we forget what it actually took for me and you here this day to do what we're doing right now. We forget about these things. We forget about the fact that back in the day, in the original colonies, there was an estimated 2.7 million people. That's it. Two point, we imagine it like it is today. We do, we imagine that, oh, America, mighty and strong. We rose up against Britain because we don't like King George or taxes and da, da, da. No, 2.7 million people. And it's estimated that about 35 to 40% of them are the ones that actually wanted to go for independence. Think about that for a moment. Take the romance out of the idea and really put yourself into those shoes for a moment. 35 to 40% of 2.7 million people said, you know what, I really think we ought to give this freedom thing a chance. The rest of them were like, are you insane? They're going to invade us and we're gonna go to war. And at the time, Britain was the greatest fighting force the world had ever known. Better than Rome, Greece, the Spartans, Spartan kick, whatever you wanna do. They were better than all of them. And I want you to put that in today, even in today's standard. If we came to you and said, guess what? In about three months, they're gonna come on their ships and the greatest fighting force that we have ever known is gonna come fight us in our homes, our backyard, in our farms, in our fields, and we're gonna fight to the death and one of us is gonna win. Your silence lets me know that you're paying attention. This was a very big deal, but where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why was America able to prevail? Well, I truly believe that God had his hand on the formation of America to be a shining light for the rest of the world. You cannot convince me otherwise because it should not have happened. But you've got colonists and farmers with pitchforks taking on the greatest army this world had ever seen. It should not have happened. It was improbable that it would happen and it was a miracle that it would happen. And the Bible is riddled with times that men should not have prevailed, but with God behind them and faith in God behind them, they prevailed. But the miracle of the formation of America is not in the war. And that's where we mess it up as well. The miracle occurred before the war even started. And this is where we lose track of a lot of things. Think about this. Thomas Jefferson was 33 years old when he wrote the Constitution and Declaration of Independence. The youngest person to sign the Declaration of Independence was 26 years old. Now, no offense to anyone that may be in that age range, but have you seen 26 year olds lately? I would not rent a car to a 26 year old, much less let them sign a declaration of war for our country. But yet there they were. 
Thomas Jefferson was 33. And some of you in attendance may think that's really young. Some of you in attendance may think that's really old and that's offensive because I'm older than 33. Either way, the real miracle existed before they even fired a shot. Again, let's take, let's take the, the romance out of this and think for just a moment. These men, these, these, these farmers, these people that although educated, every single one of you are more educated than they were. Exactly, wow, that should put things, you know, we, we, we think about this. They changed the course of human history. And they changed the course of human history before they even decided to fight for it in the first place. If that's not God, I don't know what else is. Think about it. Throughout entire human history, war would break out, somebody would win, king would be, or a dictator would be put in place, people would be put in dictatorship, poverty, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. However, these young people, except for Ben Franklin, he was pretty old, but regardless, the majority of these young people believed in something bigger than themselves. These random people just had an idea that they're going to change all of human history, that they're going to give the power and the freedom back to the people? Oh, nay, sir or madam, that is not the way that works. That is Jesus, that is God, because only God believes in true freedom. Well, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further de-evaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold, silver, and precious metal, and that's why I use my friends at Birch gold. It's super easy. It's super simple. All you have to do is text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 to get your free info kit on how to convert an existing IRA, 401k, or simply some of your savings into gold, silver, and precious metals. To protect yourself in Biden's economy, you have to do what you have to do, and free information is vital information. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 right now. Why'd they prevail? Because they believed in something bigger than themselves. It's written in our very constitution, endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Among those are life, liberty, and you know, the thing. <laughs> and happiness, yeah, yeah. A couple of you got that, all right. <laughs> but today in America, I think I speak for everyone when I say, Something has changed. Something is wrong with America. There's a disease sweeping among America right now. The America that I grew up in, which I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either. But even in the 36 years that I've been alive, America is unrecognizable from what it once was. In fact, whoo, Lord, I hear you, I'm going. Okay, here we go. I didn't say this last time, but I, but, but I feel it this time. Less people believe in God today than ever before in our country's history. 
We as Christians need look no further than the problems in our country than in the mirror because we are not doing it right. We have watered down Christianity, we have watered down the word of God and we have watered down the truth so much that we are seceding ground for so long that we have lost our very country. And it's time to get it back. It's time for Christians to stand up and start fighting for our freedoms. First Bible verse we're gonna get into today, I believe it's going to be, forgive me, I told you I'm old school. First Peter 14 through 16, I believe, is where we're gonna go. I think I have 16 on there, but I'm gonna read a little bit further, okay? So here we go, all right. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorant or foolish people. This should be on the screen right now. Here we go. Live as people who are free, not using your freedoms as a cover up for evil. Wow, that hurt a little bit, didn't it? And people tell me all the time, they talk to me, they're like, Graham, you can't, you can't, you can't attack these things that are going on the way you're doing. You can't, you can't do that. You can't say that because, because we're, supposed to, we're supposed to love everybody. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be in freedom. And you can't, you, can't, you can't call out evil in non-believers like you're supposed to with believers. And that may be true, but you're not calling out evil at all. And you know what the saddest part is? I call it the month of evil because that's truly what I believe. This past month has been the sickest, most demented, most aggressive pride month that we have ever seen. And it's because they know that you are not going to do anything about it. And you know, the worst part, I have conversations with people that are in the LGBTQ community all the time. And you know what they say to me? They say, Graham, it's okay because I'm a Christian. That's what they believe. And why do they believe it? Because we've been preaching a watered down version of what God's word says, and they don't even know what they're talking about. I have children, I have four. I know, I look young enough, you're like, what? No, but I have four kids. This hairline didn't create itself. (laughs) And I think about their futures and I see what's going on now and I've had so many conversations with people. God help us. How have we let it get to this point? How have we as Christians allowed it to get to this point? Because we don't want to be confrontational. We don't want to create divide. We don't want to be responsible for any kind of backlash. And let me say something else. God, I hear you, I'm saying it, here we go. The church and Christians need to revamp in 2023 what their definition of ministry actually is. Woo, I felt that. Right now, when we think of ministry, what do we think of? Church, preacher, missionary, evangelist. What about prophets? People don't like the word prophets these days. Yeah, one person does, amen, all right. 
People don't like that. In today's Christianity, you say the word prophet, ooh, people get like upset. But, but what was a prophet? A prophet was just a person that loved God, believed in Jesus and said, hey, do you see what's going on? Are you, am I the only one seeing this? What are we gonna do about this? We have to return to God and nine times out of 10, everybody hated him. They probably heard words that were similar. I doubt Jesus' time they said these words, but they heard words like conspiracy theorist, possibly lunatic, possibly even domestic terrorist. They spoke the truth because people would turn away from God and somebody had to wake them up. And we're there, ladies and gentlemen, we are there. But I want to address the things that we have to address about right now. It's the fine line that we as Christians must live in combating evil that is overtaking our world. As Christians, we are charged with the ever ending struggle of that friction between love, oh, excuse me, between grace and truth. Too much grace, you have a spoiled child. Too much truth, you have a child with trauma. Do you actually love someone if you continue to let them do what you know is bad for them? What you know is wrong for them? Do you actually love anyone? So I've got a couple points and we're gonna go into the points here. Yes, I told you I'm old school AG, so we're gonna do it this way. All right, my first point is this, and it is to attack this thing of, well, Graham, you can't do that, that's divisive. Jesus, he hung out with sinners. Jesus sat at the table and broke bread and ate food with sinners. So we have to do the same thing. Well, first of all, my first point is simply this. Yes, Jesus dined with sinners, but we are never told in the Bible anywhere where he was actually invited back. If you can find it, show it to me. I ain't found it yet. In fact, Jesus was the best clearer out of a room in the world, okay? Jesus would draw the biggest crowd. And by the time he was done speaking the truth, the only people that were left were the disciples and they had to be there. I, I'm just here to tell you the truth, people. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, let's do it like this, okay? So let's go to Luke chapter seven, verses 36 through 50. Don't freak out, I'm not gonna read all of them. But it tells a bit of a story. How many people know of the sinful woman in Simon's house? How many people have heard that story? Okay, well, we're gonna read a little bit of it because how many of you that read your Bible? Three people, fantastic. No, I'm just kidding. Now a bunch of people raise their hands. Isn't it amazing how you can read the same story a thousand times? And then this morning at four o'clock, I read it again and I see something that I never ever saw before. All right, so I'm gonna read it. Stay, try, try to stick with me. I'm gonna speak a little fast. We're all, oh, 15 minutes. I don't know how we're gonna do it. Okay, here we go. All right, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. This is Simon, by the way. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. 
And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Don't miss this. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if the man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. This is my best part. That verse just said, now the Pharisee who invited him saw this and he said to himself, and then in the very next verse, and Jesus said to him, hello, what? Never saw that before. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. I'll skip a little bit. Basically, the parable is, which one is more grateful for the debt being forgiven? He answers, the 500. Jesus then said, turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Now, I actually have this label, Jesus dropping the hammer. That's what it's actually titled. Let me put this in redneck version for you. Jesus walked up into somebody's house and this dude wasn't acting right. And Jesus said, let me tell you something, buddy. You ain't doing this. You ain't doing that. You're the one that's wrong. Now, I realize I'm from the South. You don't do that. You don't go into somebody else's house and be like, let me tell you what's wrong with everything up in here. So you tell me that I'm wrong when I say, yes, Jesus died with sinners, but he didn't sit idly by and let them just do whatever they were going to do based on what the Bible actually says they're supposed to be doing. What's going on, everybody? I want you to stop drinking communist coffee. I want you to switch to America's coffee BlackRifleCoffee.com. It's very simple. You can spend the rest of your life drinking frou-frou drinks for anti-American communist pieces of garbage, or you can drink America's coffee and support my friends of over 10 years at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Go get America's coffee, fuel up on freedom, BlackRifleCoffee.com right now. Point number two. Jesus loved sinners too much to enjoy what they enjoy. Christian, do you love people? We're supposed to love people, right? But what is love, really? What is love? Is love sitting idly by while they do things that hurt themselves, while they do things that tear apart their eternal soul. I say this all the time and many people get mad at me. Jesus did not care about your feelings. He cared about your soul. And when the soul gets right, naturally feelings start to go along with it. We are so concerned about people liking us, about being viewed as friendly, that we forget that the ultimate purpose of Christianity is to save souls for the kingdom of God, the end. Point number three, Jesus was a 
friend to sinners because they were sick and needed a physician. Now, why did I put friend in quotation marks? When we think of friends, we think of our best pal. We think of our ride or die. We think of that person, if we got a secret, they know it and they ain't gonna tell it. That's what we think about when we think of friend. But Jesus was a friend to sinners because they were sick and they needed a physician. All of us to this day, we fear that day that we go to the doctor and you hear the words, you have this. You have cancer. You have organ failure. And then all of a sudden, our doctor becomes our best friend because we will do whatever we have to do to save our own mortal life. We will do whatever we have to do because our life is in that doctor's hand, but we won't do a thing as we sit idly by while we let people destroy their eternal souls every single day. Is that love? Is that true Christianity? I have a hard time believing that Jesus would sit idly by during Pride Month while street preachers are being arrested, while they're peacefully protesting against the Pride Parade going on. I have a hard time believing that Jesus, while children are sitting on the side of the road and grown men and women are waltzing down the street, naked, nude, genitalia everywhere, and Jesus just says, I love everybody, this is fine. Ladies and gentlemen, the answer to that is no, he would not. Point number four, a true friend is full of good deeds, abstains from sin, and declares the excellence of Christ. A true friend is someone that does their best to be a shining light with Christ inside of them, does their best to abstain from sin, yet no one is perfect, and proclaims the excellencies of Christ. What that means, Christian, is you cannot be a friend and lover of all humankind and sit idly by while you know that their eternal souls are going to hell. You can't, it's impossible. It is not the way that it's supposed to be. We have an obligation as Americans to fight to preserve the freedoms that we have here in America. The Great Commission, right? What's the Great Commission? Go out to all the world and preach the good news. I'm pretty sure America is at the top of the list of countries that send missionaries out, that feed the hungry, take care of the widows and the orphans. We have an obligation as Christians to preserve what God has given us. I'm about to run into the camera. What God has given us and what God has granted us, we have an obligation to fight to preserve it. The Sermon on the Mount, we're supposed to be salt and light. Why would he say that? Well, salt back in the day was a preservative. It was a parable to explain that we as Christians are supposed to delay the decay of society for as long as humanly possible for the purpose of saving souls for the kingdom. The end, that is why we are here. You hear people say all the time that we have to be friends 
We have to be loved by everyone and we have to accept what they do so they feel accepted first. You can love people and tell them the truth. You can love people and tell them the truth, although it may hurt. And then oftentimes I would argue to say that nine times out of 10, people love the truth until somebody tells the truth about you. The truth hurts and people don't like the truth. But when you go after people's souls, you realize once Jesus, once God enters into their heart and their mind, they no longer care about what she what said because they know what they were doing was evil. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a battle of good versus evil right now. A lot of it's veiled under politics, but we have too many Christians that are looking to the capital instead of looking to the kingdom. America is not going to be saved by a politician. America is not going to be saved by one state saying we're closed, one state saying we're opened. America is not going to be saved by a man or a woman. America is going to be saved by God. I hear you, Lord. I'm fixing to say it. I hear you. So many people will tell me all the time, and we've done this in politics too, where the Constitution says that our representatives are supposed to be this, but we the people have added all these extra things. They need to be a doctor, a lawyer. No, they don't. They need to be a 12-hour shift worker that knows what it's like to barely get by every single day. But we've done the same thing in the church. We've done the same thing about what qualifies you to speak the word of God. We've done the same thing. You need to have a doctorate. You need to be a theologist. You need to go to every school that there is of a denomination and you need to pledge allegiance to this denomination and blah, blah, blah before you can preach. That's why I love being able to preach on Sunday. I'm not your pastor, so if you hate me, I'm just going out the back and you'll never have to see me again. Drop the hammer, as it would say. But what I love most is Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Are you qualified to be in the battle? Absolutely you are, and I'm gonna break it to you right now. Paul lays it down very well, and I love that he wrote it this way because in his time, Paul was one of the most well-educated people that you could possibly find. Here's what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses one through five. And I, when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. In other words, I'm not the smartest guy in the room or you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't know how to piece words together. You don't have to know all of those things. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. In other words, I'm just like you. I have fear, I have doubts. So many of us want Jesus to be our savior, but we would have a real problem with him being our Lord. We're so quick to, 
We're so quick to pray. There's no way I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna go over. We're so quick to say, Lord, save me. Help me. I need help. But so quick to not submit to him as our Lord. In fact, it's kind of funny. Anybody that listens to what I do and the show and all this stuff, you know I hate flying. I have a massive fear in my entire life. I'm the dumbest person ever. I joined the army and now I speak for a living all over the country. So I fly all the time. And every single time me and Jesus have a come to Jesus meeting very quickly. And he teaches me that I need to depend on him the end. Because you can make a million dollars right now by betting that Graham Allen will fly from Shanghai to Raleigh, North Carolina on this date seven years from now. And I promise you, it'll be the worst weather the country had ever seen in seven years. And we're flying straight through it. And me and God have to talk the entire time. In fact, there was a voice that told me, man, I'd really like to preach in Phoenix, but... July 4th weekend, it's literally on the other side of the country. I hate flying, Lord. I don't really know if I wanna go. And a good buddy of mine, Victor Marks, maybe some of you know him. Uh, I was talking to him about it and he said, that's exactly why you gotta go. Because oftentimes right before you get to the breakthrough of where God's trying to send you is when you have the most resistance come upon you. And right about the time that you feel like you're hitting every wall, that is right at the moment where you're about to break free and do what God has actually called you to do. But are you equipped? Verse four says, in my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. In other words, I don't have all the right words to say. I don't have all of your answers, but I do know this. And why does he say it? So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, as Christians today, I got a minute and a half, we're coming home. As Christians today, we have this this thing where we expect men to give us these things and these directions. You expect your pastor to tell you something. You expect to come to church every Sunday like an addict because you've done every single thing possible and ignored every single situation all week long. And you go to church looking for your fix because we've put too much in the words of men and not in the power of God. So what does Paul tell us? Paul tells us to get off of your butt and do something. No excuses, no excuses, no reasons why you're not smart enough. You don't have stage presence. You don't have a way to talk to people. You may not even like people. Uh, You're the one that's supposed to go because you're the ones that's going to move mountains. In fact, oftentimes it's the people that don't want it that do the most work for God. So I say this to you, Christian, and I say this to you as I finish up here. Are you in the battle? And if not, why not? God has given you everything. God has given you every knowledge that you need. He has given you everything that you need to equip you with winning souls for him. Because if you truly love one another, 
You will not stand idly by while evil walks away, while evil manifests every single day, while they go after your children, while they go after us, while they go after our society. You will not sit idly by anymore and you will stand up and you will preach the word of God and you will preach the truth and you don't care if you're verified. You don't care how many people see your videos. You don't care if you get the credit. You don't care how big your church is going to be. You care about serving God, and that means telling the truth. God bless you guys. God bless America. Thank you guys for having me.